Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Introvert Attraction Podcast. In our last episode, we talked all about rejection and the many reasons why it is so painful and the reasons why that that pain understandably leads to a fear of rejection. And then sometimes that fear can lead to the avoidance of asking people out on dates or making yourself vulnerable to being open to connection and potentially finding love again. We also talked about some of the reasons why introverts specifically can struggle with rejection especially when we internalize it, which is the perspective that we will be exploring this week with rejection. If you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, I encourage you to go give it a listen because it is a helpful start and a foundation to the next two episodes this week and next week. For this week, we will be exploring the internal responses that many introverts have in response to experiencing rejection. And then next week, we will be exploring some of the actions and the behaviors that you can take to start to work through that fear and to take on challenges more confidently without being tied to the outcome of what any interaction or potential relationships might be. And I wanted to say that this concept of rejection isn't just if you ask someone out on a date or if you go out on a date and then the person rejects you after the fact. I also want to use rejection in terms of if someone breaks up with you or if you are going out with someone for a few weeks or months and it seems like everything's going really well and then they unexpectedly pull away or they decide that they aren't ready for a relationship or they say, it's not you, it's me type of thing. So any type of romantic situation in which the person makes a often unilateral decision that they want to end the relationship or if they don't want to spend time with you anymore or they don't want to be with you anymore, I am wanting to explore rejection from that standpoint. Any time that you feel out of control because of a person's decision that they've made about you and the future of your time together, whether that is in a defined relationship or if it's in the very early stages when you're first dating someone. So keep all of those different options in mind when you are listening to this and keep in mind that this can apply to all types of different situations, no matter where you're at in the dating and the relationship process. So let's kick this off. I'm really excited for this today. So for today, I divided this into three different tactics or tools that you can use, and you can take the parts that are helpful for you or that resonate for you at your current point in time, and you can discard and disregard the rest of it. So tactic number one is to assess and shift the target that your feelings of rejection are focused on. Pretty much everyone's initial response to feeling rejected or to being rejected is to take it really personally. And this makes a lot of sense because it does feel very personal. And I think that this tactic is the most helpful if you are just starting out with dating someone or if you went on a date or two dates and they changed their mind or they ghost you or fall off the map. It's really easy to take that personally. And what our brains do in response to a feeling of rejection, which is a normal and expected response, a feeling response to that stimulus of being rejected, what pretty much everyone's brain does unless you've actively trained yourself to respond differently, 
what everyone's brain does in response to that feeling of rejection is to assign that feeling of rejection the meaning that you are not worthy and that you don't have enough worth or value to be in that person's life or that you are not good enough for them to want to date or spend time with. So we take this subjective feeling of rejection and without meaning to, we assign that subjective feeling an objective meaning about your worth and value as a person. And in doing so, what you're actually doing is you are taking your self-worth and you are giving that away to someone who you don't even really know that well and to someone who doesn't know you that well. And especially in the early stages of dating, the person doesn't even know you that well yet. If you've just been messaging and maybe you've gone on a date or a couple dates and they pull away or they change their mind or they ghost you, while it makes sense that your brain interprets that as rejecting you and your value as a person, the fact is, is that this person doesn't know you that well and they can't, because of that, they can't possibly be rejecting you as a person. So what they're actually rejecting is not your objective sense of self-worth. They're actually rejecting their subjective perception of you and what they believe about you based on what that lens of perception has caused them to filter you through. And you can't control that. And most of the time, you can't even possibly begin to know what lens that they are filtering their perception of you through. And honestly, they probably don't even know. Our perceptions of people are based on unconscious beliefs. They are based on the things that have happened to us in the past. And they're also strongly filtered through whatever experiences that person is going through in the moment. So if they have stress going on, if they have recently been through a breakup, if they have been hurt in past relationships, if they have mental health conditions, if they're going to therapy for anything, all of these different things come together and they filter the way that this person sees the world and you are included in that. So while it's really, really easy to take that feeling of rejection really personally and to feel like they are rejecting you as a person and therefore they are determining your value as a person, It's really easy to have that cascade of automatic response from that initial feeling to the thought, to the belief, to assigning that sense of worth to yourself. It's really, really important to start to recognize when that automatic pattern happens and to start to interrupt it and to start to reframe the target that that feeling of rejection and that belief that you have about it, reframing the target that that is assigned to. So they are not rejecting you as a person. They are rejecting their perception of you. And that perception is not based on who you are as a person. That perception is not based on how well they know you. That perception is not based on much of you at all, honestly. Their perception is not based on your objective self-worth. Their perception is based on their own subjective biases and filters and lenses and beliefs and things that are so far beyond your control, and it's not ever a good idea to try to convince someone to change their mind. But I'm getting ahead of myself with that. That's for next week's topic. But just to give you kind of an idea of of what's going on inside your body, what's going on inside of your nervous system, your head, your brain, your interpretation of these normal stimuli, once you can start to realize that you are taking their action of not wanting to continue seeing you or not wanting to be with you, 
it's so important and it, it becomes easier over time to start to retrain that response into something that's more constructive and something that is honestly more objectively true than the belief that you are not worthy or that you don't have value because this person doesn't want you in their life. And it's very critical that you start to recognize this and that you start to retrain that automatic response because what happens if you just let yourself walk around believing that you don't have value and worth because this person rejected you, that feeling of rejection stays with you and it allows that person's decision of you to control your actions moving forward. And you don't ever want to give your power away to the past or to what other people have decided about you without your knowledge or consent. So learning to recognize that feeling of rejection, learning to stay grounded in your body and to just experience the feeling itself and the sensations associated with that without allowing your brain to automatically latch onto that and to turn it into beliefs about your worth, beliefs about your value, and to then carry that belief with you across time and into your future interactions. And it's really hard to do that at first, especially if you are someone who has internalized the belief that you are not worthy if you are rejected. It can take considerable work and considerable self-awareness and lots of practice to start to retrain your nervous system to respond in a different way. But it is absolutely possible and it gets easier over time. And that response, the more constructive response, becomes more automatic so that you don't have to consciously focus your effort every single time on interrupting that automatic pattern. You can train your brain to create a new automatic pattern, a new neural pathway to respond that way in the future. And that makes you a lot more resilient to other people's perceptions of you. And it makes you braver and it helps you to challenge yourself and to put yourself out there and to ask people out or to go on dates with people and you aren't held hostage to the past and to people's past decisions about you. No one should be allowed to have that power over you. And while it's easy to feel victimized if you have been rejected or turned down multiple times, but you can't control that. You 100% can control your response to that. And the more that you start to practice taking back your power in that way, the more confident you feel, the more you're going to put yourself into situations that help you grow and into situations that could completely change the course of your life for the better. So take a look at this in your own life. If you are someone who really internalizes the feeling of rejection and translates it into your value and your worth, start to notice that and start to reflect on your past relationships or past times that you've dated someone and been turned down or rejected. Start to look at the ways that you might have taken on their decision based on their perception, the ways that you've taken that on to assign it to your worth as a person. And don't beat yourself up if you've done this before. Pretty much everyone does this because it's a natural response to a threatening feeling of, of being abandoned and being rejected. So it's completely normal to have that response. Don't beat yourself up about it. Forgive yourself and pledge to learn and grow and to reassign that target of rejection in the future. To remind yourself this isn't about me. This is about them. This is filtered through their own perceptions, their past, whatever they're going through right now. Even though this hurts, even though I feel a lot of pain, even though I feel like this isn't fair, I feel like it shouldn't be like this, I feel like I'm not worth anything, even though I feel all of those things, 
Those feelings are not objective facts. Those feelings are not true. And I'm not going to allow that person's actions to influence my sense of self-worth and my value and my identity as a person moving forward. So that is tactic and tool number one to help you reframe and respond differently to rejection. All right. Tactic number two is a little bit similar because it's another reframe, but it's different enough that I want to give it its own time and space to discuss. And if you have listened to season two of the podcast back when it was called INFJ Growth, I talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to expand on it in today's episode. And this reframe is to find an aspect of the pain to be grateful for, which sounds very difficult, but stay with me here. Being grateful for certainty in a situation. And this is especially true for introverts who identify as intuitive or people who use intuition as a cognitive function if you are interested in MBTI. So I am sure most of you out there have been in a type of relationship where you know deep down that the person is not as into you as you are into them. You can tell that they don't care about you as much as you care about them. Or even worse, if you used to feel like the the feelings shared between you were mutual and then they start to pull away, they start to have a misalignment between their actions and the words they say. They might be trying to convince you that they are still interested in you and that they still want to be with you, but deep down you can really feel like they are just as much trying to convince themselves as they are trying to convince you. And that feeling of intuition feels like this heavy, massive weight that just pulls down your entire being. It just feels like this heavy pit that sits in the middle of your stomach and it feels terrible. It feels terrible to know deep down that this person doesn't care about you and that you care so much about them and you know that and you know better, but you still want to keep giving them the benefit of the doubt and you want you want to believe them. You want to believe that they mean these things because, of course, why wouldn't you? And what usually happens in these situations is you know deep down that this probably isn't going to work out, but you desperately want it to because you really care about this person. And over time, they just keep pulling away a little bit more, a little bit more. And then maybe they come back and they throw you a couple of breadcrumbs of affection and you feel really good about it. And then they pull away again. And they keep telling you, they keep trying to reassure you, trying to reassure themselves that they still care about you. But you just feel like you're getting strung along and you feel helpless and you you feel like you have no control over the situation. And then ultimately it ends. They tell you, sorry, I can't do this anymore. They say, it's not you, it's me. They say, I want to see other people. They say that you're too needy, that you're weighing them down, that they would be better off focusing on themselves. Regardless of what words they say, it hurts exactly the same. And what I think hurts even more than that is the fact that you knew deep down the entire time that your intuition was telling you that this person is not as interested in you, telling you what you know deep down into the core of your being, that this is not the right relationship for you, that this person does not match your effort, your interest. And it feels incredibly self-betraying The fact that you knew that the entire time, but you didn't listen to that intuition, or you were listening to it, but you didn't feel strong enough to do anything differently. And that 
knowledge hurts even more than the fact that they ended it or that they broke things off or that they don't want to see you again. It makes you feel a lot of shame. It makes you feel stupid. It makes you feel embarrassed that you should have known better on top of the already normal feelings of rejection and pain and grief that naturally come about when a relationship ends. So it just creates these multiple layers of crap that weigh heavily on you that make you feel really bad about yourself. And pretty much everyone has been through that situation and it feels terrible. So the point of this is not to help you work through that situation, but the point of this is to contrast that situation with someone rejecting you or turning you down way sooner in that process, someone who's brave enough to tell you that they are not interested, someone who's brave enough to tell you the truth that they don't see this going anywhere, that they don't want a relationship, that hurts, especially if it's early on before they've even given themselves a chance to get to know you. That's incredibly frustrating and unfair. And that stings when that comes so early in a relationship or when you're dating someone. But contrast that feeling with the feeling of desperation, helplessness, knowing better, feeling like crap about yourself that we just talked through in that first situation. In both cases, the person is rejecting you or ending the relationship. But in the first case, you know so much sooner. You are certain about how this person feels. And I don't know about you guys, but I would always rather know the truth, even if it hurts. I would always rather that the person be honest with me, even if it hurts. I would so much rather know a negative outcome. I would much rather have the certainty of that negativity than being strung along, not knowing, hoping, feeling helpless, and not knowing. For me, that pain is so much worse, just getting dragged through the mud, feeling like crap about yourself, knowing deep down, but not having the certainty of that person being brave enough to tell you that they are not interested and that they don't want to continue this. So if you get rejected early in your time dating someone, that's still going to hurt, but you can start to reframe that pain as something that you are grateful for because it makes you sure and certain that you know exactly where this person stands and that you don't have to question it. And it's hard because, yes, you know where this person stands, but they're not going to be around to help you work through that. But again, I would much rather work through that certainty by myself, feeling so much more empowered and more in control than being in the familiar pain of being with someone but that just deep, nagging, underlying uncertainty because that person is not brave enough or courageous enough to tell you how they actually feel. So the next time that you are rejected or turned down by someone, allow yourself to feel that pain. Going back to tactic number one, don't allow yourself to connect that subjective opinion and perspective of that other person. Don't allow yourself to attach that to your objective sense of self-worth and your value. And then your next step is to Actually take the time to not just think that you feel grateful, but allow yourself to feel it. And for me, it it feels lighter just knowing. And I don't have to spend any more time, energy, brain power worrying and wondering about where I stand when deep down, I already know. And just that certainty and that knowledge lifts a huge weight off of you because now you can move forward. And I think that feeling of stuckness when you're with someone, when you know better, 
but you stay just because you're really hoping that they'll change their mind or stay because you're wanting to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though you know better, it feels very helpless because you feel stuck. You might want to move on, but you want to stay with them to give them and give you that last chance of being with them. So they're actually setting you free because they're allowing you to move on. And that feels so much more empowering to me than being stuck with someone who I can tell doesn't have the level of interest in me that I have in them and just feeling stuck in that. It's so empowering to be set free, to know for sure, and to be able to move on without you weighing yourself down, without the other person weighing you down. There's nothing more liberating than that. So that is tactic number two, to allow yourself to feel the pain of that rejection Do not allow your brain to run away with it assigning value to your sense of self-worth and then reframing it and feeling gratitude in your body, feeling that lightness, feeling that freedom of thank goodness, I know for sure. And it's not just a cognitive thought of gratitude. It's just taking time to really feel that settle in to your body and allowing yourself to feel that pain of rejection while at the same time feeling the gratitude of knowing for sure where you stand, how this person feels, and having the freedom to choose what you want to do next. So give that a try. That is tactic number two. All right. For tactic number three, this one is going to be the most challenging, and it is the one that introverts, in my experience, struggle with the most. And I think part of the reason why we struggle with this is because we know that it's happening and we know that it's counterproductive, but we feel very stuck in this thought pattern and it's very hard to change it. So that combined awareness that you are hurting yourself with the feeling of helplessness that you can't change it can create a lot of self-induced frustration and being upset at yourself for doing this. So after this lengthy preamble, tactic number three is to Retrain your brain to stop viewing rejection as a problem that needs to be solved or viewing it as a question that you need to find the answer to why it happened before you allow yourself to move forward. And if we go back to the last episode where we explored the the underlying physiology of why rejection hurts and why our brains respond to it, This goes back to our brains automatically trying to protect us because abandonment and rejection feel very painful. They feel very threatening. So your brain automatically goes into hypervigilance mode trying to figure out why this happened so that it can protect you from ever having to go through this trauma of the pain and the abandonment and that threat to your existence to try to protect you from ever having to go through that again. So that response that your brain and your nervous system have to that stressful stimulus, that response comes from a place of genuine protection and wanting to help you. But here's the problem. That protection response came about a long time ago when being abandoned meant the possibility of death. So that threat detection system came about with big events, with the possibility of a tribe leaving you behind and you being left alone to fend for yourself, or if a parent left you behind and being helpless and being left to fend for yourself as a child. Our brains and nervous systems were trained to be hypervigilant of any 
actual signs of abandonment. And you can be darn sure that cavemen were not sitting around overthinking the reasons why something happened. That just wasn't a possibility. This was for big events. And this evolved as a mechanism to ensure survival. And they were so busy having to defend from other threats of survival and just trying to survive day to day, making sure they have enough food to eat and that they have shelter. That's the time of our history where the overthinking mechanism comes from. In today's time of the world, if you are lucky and you live in a developed country, you don't have to worry about running out of food. You don't have to worry about your survival being threatened. You don't have to worry about shelter. And yet those mechanisms in your brain and nervous system still exist. So they are responding to the threats that are present in our environment in today's world, even though those threats are very different and perceived threats are very different than the threats that brought about this mechanism in the first place. And our nervous systems are very adaptive. So nowadays, your nervous system is evaluating what you perceive to be threats in your environment and being rejected or being abandoned in a relationship absolutely stands out as a threat compared to your baseline of not feeling threatened in your day-to-day life. So what does this mechanism look like in today's world when you are rejected or abandoned? It looks like this circular obsessive pattern of thinking where you are hell-bent on trying to figure out the reasons why this happened. And again, this is your brain trying to protect you from having to go through this pain again because it feels threatening. And this one is really tricky because it's really easy to confuse the practice of reflection with the destructive process of analysis and thinking and trying to get to the bottom of things, trying to answer the question, why? Why did this happen? What did I do to make this happen? What can I do differently next time? It can feel really productive to be thinking about these things, and it's much better for most people than having to sit in that pain and the the agonizing, overwhelming feeling of rejection and abandonment and feeling like you're not good enough. It feels much more productive to think about it, (laughs) at least at first. But what happens is then as you're analyzing and thinking about it, you start to then connect to your intuition as a means of perceiving events and information that happened in the situation. But your intuition is usually a subjective function. So you're looking for the underlying meaning of things just based on your own limited perception. You don't know what was going on for this other person. You don't know why they thought the way they did. You have no idea. And even if they tell you the reason, there's probably 10,000 other reasons that contribute and they might not even be fully aware of what those are. And this process is the worst when you get ghosted because then you can't even ask the person why they did it. You have no external objective sources of information to help you figure out why this happened. So you're just stuck in this destructive cycle of asking yourself, why did this happen? And then gathering information with your intuition, looking for the underlying meaning of why these things happened, and then analyzing that, trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to get answers, trying to figure out what it means, and then looping back to your intuition, trying to gather more underlying meaning. What could this one thing that this person has said meant? Why did they do this thing? I could tell from their tone in this one text message that this probably meant this thing. And so therefore, I totally screwed this up because if I hadn't been so needy and desperate, then they wouldn't have been turned off by me. And then maybe I could have stopped this from happening. 
And it just goes round and round and round and round. And what started out as a process that initially felt productive, it turns into this spiral vortex of entrapment where you were constantly trying to gain certainty and to get answers to questions that are unanswerable. And even if you obtained an answer, it's just that. It's one possibility. It is one aspect of a single perspective that might have been one contributing factor to what led to the breakdown of the relationship or the breakdown of dating this person. So what you're really looking for, whether you consciously realize it or not, what you're really looking for is the truth of why this happened and what you can do differently to not have this happen again next time. And without meaning to, we reduce the truth as this singularity that explains the why of everything. And then you have this belief that if you can completely understand every single aspect of what happened, then then you'll be able to move on. And sometimes we call this process closure. And this might also turn into external actions, which we'll talk about next week of asking the person why this happened, asking what you could do differently. And you just end up spinning and spinning and spinning, searching for this absolute truth that doesn't exist. And we think that we need this closure in order to be able to move on. And deep down, we know that there is no singular absolute truth. We know that that doesn't exist. And even if it did, I think most people deep down know that it wouldn't ease your pain, even if you knew the truth. And that makes the obsessive search for why, why, why. It makes it so much more painful and and debilitating and ultimately disempowering. And we refuse to allow ourselves to move on because we tell ourselves, "I, I just need closure. I just need to know why. And you keep yourself very busy trying to find answers to questions that don't even matter. And you are holding yourself back from being able to move on from that. It's not the closure that is holding you back. It is your obsessive need and your belief that having closure is going to make it easier and less painful to move on with your life. And it's not. And even if someone outright tells you, this is why I don't want to be with you, a lot of times we still think there has to be more to this. There has to be an answer to this. There has to be some reason beyond this. Maybe I can convince this person about that I didn't mean this or that I can be better. And in our quest to to genuinely want to move on, I, I, I do believe that most people do want to move on. But in our quest to want to move on, you end up holding yourself back from doing the very thing that would actually help you to heal in the first place which is to accept the situation as it is, releasing your need to know the reason why, accepting the situation even if it isn't fair, even if it shouldn't have gone that way. It is not answers that will help you to move on. It is acceptance that what happened happened. It was outside your control. You accept it even though you do not agree with it or you think it shouldn't have been that way. It is that acceptance of reality for what it is that allows you to let go of the past and the pain and to heal and to move forward. And acceptance is such a hard thing because we believe that if we accept a situation that it means that we agree with it. And that's not true. Acceptance requires you to hold two seemingly opposing and contradictory truths, to hold both of those truths 
in mind at the same time, even though they seem to be completely opposite from one another. And it's really normal to, after you've kind of worked through the pain of rejection, it's really normal to think this is not fair. It shouldn't have been like this. This person should have given me another chance. I should have done things differently. This is not fair. This shouldn't have happened. And just all these shoulds and expectations and arguing with what happened. And what happened is what happened. That is the reality of it. And a lot of times it's not fair and that is valid. That's the hardest part is that it actually is valid that it shouldn't have happened. It is valid that it's unfair. It is valid that this person didn't give you a chance. And if you obsess over the fact that it's not fair, not only did this person reject you, but you were rejecting what happened in the situation. You're not accepting what happened because you don't agree with it. So whether it was fair or not is completely irrelevant. So the, the two truths that you have to hold at the same time is in one hand, yes, it is true and valid that the situation is unfair. And in the other hand, you can still choose to accept what happened, accept the situation as it is, even though it wasn't fair, even though it shouldn't have happened, and even though you don't agree with it. So acceptance is releasing the expectation that reality should be different than what happened and what it is. It is that acceptance that allows you to detach from the outcome of what happened. And that release and letting go is what allows you to move on. It's not answers. It's not knowing. It's not certainty of what happened and why. Acceptance is what allows you to move on. So I encourage you to look back at times in your life where you were broken up with or rejected or abandoned in a situation that was not fair. And this is especially true with ghosting because ghosting is never fair. It is never okay. And it shouldn't be like that. People should be adult. They should be emotionally mature. They should have enough respect for you and for themselves to be able to be honest with you and face their discomfort of telling you that they don't want to see you anymore. And when someone literally just denies your existence in favor of their own comfort and lack of integrity, that is never fair. It's never okay. And that type of situation especially is really easy to get hung up on analyzing why it happened, wanting to know the truth, wanting to know certainty, wanting to never make that mistake again, and then also obsessing over the fact that it shouldn't have happened and that it wasn't fair. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter why it happened. It doesn't matter why they rejected you. It doesn't matter why they ghosted you. You don't have to know the reason why in order to accept it. And the more that you argue with reality for being what it is, which is what analysis is about and needing to know answers and reasons, the more that you argue with that reality internally, the harder that you make it for yourself to accept what happened and to move on from it. So take a look at this in your life. Take a look at potential times when you felt really burned by someone rejecting you or turning you down or breaking up with you or abandoning you or ghosting you. Take a look at how you responded to those times. The pain will always be there. The fear of that pain will always be there. You cannot control your feelings. You cannot suppress them. You can, but they always end up coming back. The only thing that you have control over is the way that you respond to those and analysis and destructively forcing yourself to stay stuck until you know the reasons why 
that is within your control. And that is almost always a response to the normal pain and the hurt and the fear of rejection and abandonment. So take a look at times that you've experienced this in the past and take a look at if any of what we just talked about resonated with you. Did you get hung up on needing to know why? Were you stuck analyzing what happened, what made things go wrong, what you could have done differently? And take a look at how that made you feel about yourself. Did it make make you feel disempowered? Did it make you feel worse about yourself? And then take a look at some ways that you can respond more constructively. And as we talked about earlier in this episode, allowing yourself to feel that physical pain without holding onto it, without resisting it, and without translating that pain into needing to do something, whether that's an external action or internal analysis, telling yourself that you need closure, analyzing look at those responses and start to detach from those, start to step away and let go of that response. Because the more that you can just sit with that pain and accept it for what it is without holding on to it meaning something about you or your self-worth, the more that you can train yourself to do that, the faster that those feelings are going to pass, the less threatening that they're going to feel. And in turn, that reduces your fear of rejection not because it hurts any less to be rejected or turned down by someone, but because you trust yourself to have your own back and to handle it in a way that is constructive and healthy for you. And the more that you can trust yourself to have your own back, the more that you are going to trust yourself to put yourself out there, to put yourself into situations where you might be hurt and rejected because you trust yourself to handle it in a way that serves you instead of a way that destroys you and picks yourself apart without even meaning to or realizing what you're doing. So take a look at these three tactics. If any of this resonated with you, if any of this was helpful, or if you have your own stories or experiences of times that any type of internal response to rejection or abandonment, if you have your own stories or ways that you've learned to cope with this, I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me on Instagram. We are at Introvert Attraction. Next week, we will be talking about some external responses, actions, behaviors that we often take automatically in response to rejection. And some of these actions and behaviors are actually taken in response to some of the internal responses and tactics that we talked about today. That's the final step in learning how to cope with rejection in a healthier way is then taking that step and changing your actions and your behaviors. So I am really excited for you guys to process this and I'm excited for us to tackle week three next week. And my hope is for you to feel more confident in yourself and more empowered and like you have more control over your life because There's nothing more disempowering than feeling like you're completely out of control and that you are a casualty of circumstances and that you feel like your self-worth is determined by other people because it does not have to be. You are in complete control of that. And even if you recognize and resonate with some of the things we talked about, even if you feel like you can't take action immediately or change any of this immediately, that's completely okay. You don't have to fix any of this overnight. Just allow yourself to be more aware of times that this has happened and be patient with yourself because retraining this takes time. It is not something that you can muscle through with willpower. It is a physiologic, programmed, automatic process, and it takes time to change that. You can't just consciously snap your fingers and make it go away. So be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. And we are all here to support you and we are all here to support one another. 
I love you guys so much. I can't wait to see you next week. I will see you then. Bye.